0: Dig a bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Good morning. I hope that you are enjoying the study of the 10 as we are in the middle of the month of April. We're studying Commandment 8, Thou Shalt Not Steal, and this morning as I was doing some studying from our lesson and from the holy text i was drawn to first kings chapter 21 and its relationship to the proverbs that we have listed that we were reading and and from which we were taking some concepts that have to do with covetousness and riches and i i want to just draw some comparisons between 1 kings 21 where we read about ahab and those proverbs then that we were assigned shortly thereafter in first kings 21 the question was just did being wealthy make ahab less likely to covet or steal and the answer there is an obvious no so as we look at the story of ahab in first kings chapter 21 let's just refresh our memories We learn this account as children but there are a lot of profound truths in first Kings chapter 21 Naboth was the Jezreelite and he had a vineyard and he was probably a fairly well-to-do man the Valley of Jezreel was very prime property I've been there over in Israel and looked at that and it's one of the most uh, lush and beautiful places that you can find and much of what happened in the old testament was happened right there in the valley of jezreel especially during the time of the kings so naboth had a vineyard in jezreel and ahab's palace was up against that vineyard now you know that that was prime property naboth had a prize there in that vineyard and ahab looked out and he really really coveted that vineyard we're going to see how much that he coveted so he went out and he offered naboth money for that vineyard this is the king the king of israel here going out to offer a man money and i'm sure that he offered him a generous amount of money for Ahab was obviously a very wealthy king. And Ahab came back to his house because Naboth said, This has been in my family, and this is the allotment that God has given me to inherit. And it wouldn't be right for me to just sell it off to someone outside of my family. And so Ahab came into his house. The King James Version says he was heavy and displeased. But what he did was he pouted. He told Jezebel his wife, "I'm not hungry." And he went to bed and looked at the wall, the Bible says, and was he wasn't talking and he wasn't eating because he couldn't have what he wanted. When we get to the point where we're not talking or eating because we are wanting something that we can't have, then we have put too much trust in material riches. So Jezebel came to him and Jezebel was a wicked wicked conniving uh subtle servant of satan in the kingdom of israel at this time and she said oh why are you sad that you're not hungry you're not eating and he said because i went to naboth the jezreelite and i said to him give me your vineyard for money or if you would rather trade for another vineyard and i'm sure the king had many vineyards in the around the palace and jezebel said aren't you the king aren't you the governor isn't everything in your hands she was such a power hungry person and she said get up and eat and be merry because i'll make sure you get that vineyard you know she was oh she was a lot of things submissive to her husband was not one of them. Submissive to God was not one of them. Full of faith was not one of them. She was so many wicked things combined. And so she sent letters to the elders and the nobles that were in the city of Jezreel uh, dwelling there with Naboth. And she said, proclaim a fast among the people and set Naboth on high. Oh, we're going to elevate Naboth here and have a fast toward a religious right here. We're gonna we're gonna act like we're doing something very holy and noble. And then these men, when Naboth is is well known, these sons of Belial, these wicked men, will come in and say false things about Naboth. They will say that they heard him curse God. Oh, we're gonna just get false witnesses to come in and say that this man blasphemed against god and we'll have naboth killed we'll have him stoned oh this is just incredible and and it's even it makes me think about calvary because what did they say about jesus this man blasphemed we have to kill him it seems like whenever israelites wanted someone to be unjustly killed they could just do it really easily by saying Well, he blasphemed. He said this, and that's, you can't prove that he didn't say such a thing. And so these false witnesses came, blasphemed against Naboth, while the people around him were having a feast to righteousness. This was such a sham. And the men of his city, the elders and the nobles, did exactly what Jezebel said. They proclaimed a fast. They put Naboth up on high. And then these false witnesses, these liars, came in, told that he had blasphemed God. And then they just quickly commanded them to take him out of the city and stone him with stones, and he died. And Jezebel heard that he was stoned and was dead. And he said, she said, Ahab, get up. And go down and take possession of your vineyard. Naboth is not alive anymore, but he is dead. And it said, when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he rose up to go down to the vineyard to take possession of it. No regard for the sanctity of life here. None whatsoever. Can you just think of all the sins that led up to the murder, beginning with covetousness? But, you know, covetousness is is a sin that's behind so many sins. That's why covetousness in your New Testament is called idolatry. We've decided to worship material things rather than God. So then Elijah came down, and God told him to go down and meet Ahab. And he he said, he's in the vineyard of Naboth. There's Ahab inspecting his new vineyard, looking at those luscious fruits, thinking, I am so glad that I have expanded my property here and I have this beautiful vineyard and I'll look down on it from my palace and that's where the prophet of God met him. And the Lord had told him to say to Ahab, Elijah here was going to say to Ahab, Have you killed and taken possession? And say, Thus saith the Lord, In the place where dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, dogs will lick, lick up your blood. Remember, Naboth had been stoned. And wherever the dogs have licked up his blood, they're going to also lick up your blood. Ahab said, have you found me O mine enemy and he answered i have found you because you have sold yourself to work evil in the sight of the lord i think that's interesting that we trade our souls that's what ahab had done here he had traded his soul sold his self in order to work evil and he had sold his soul for a vineyard and He says God says behold I will bring evil upon you and I will take away your posterity and I will cut off from Ahab all of the male descendants every man child and whoever is shut up and left at large in Israel. He said I'm going to you're not going to have male descendants Ahab and we're going to see where this is going to happen a couple of chapters later and it's just very profound here. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to make your house, verse 22, like the house of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha the son of Ahijah, for the provocation wherewith you have provoked me to anger, and you have made Israel to sin. You will pay for this. And Jezebel also spoke to the Lord, and of Jezebel also spoke the Lord, saying. The dogs are also going to eat jezebel by the wall of jezreel he not only said the dogs are going to lick the blood and the dogs are going to eat jezebel but he also foretold exactly the place of those occurrences and we're going to see a little bit later as we study that jezebel actually was thrown down from the wall of jezreel that's where she met her fatal end there so It goes on to say, um, Him who dies of Ahab in the city, the dogs will eat. And him who dies in the field, the fowls of the air will eat. Your descendants Ahab are going to be eaten up. This is not going to end well for you. Verse 25 says, we're in chapter 21, 1 Kings 21. There was none like Ahab which sold himself. It says it again. You traded your soul to work wickedness and his wife jezebel stirred him up that's just profound for women of of god you know we're told in first peter 3 that when we have a meek and quiet and gentle spirit that that's in the sight of god of great price and in if we have that meek spirit first peter 3 tells us we may be able to influence men who are rebellious against god we may be able to influence them to do the right thing but here we have the very opposite of that this is the antithesis of first peter 3 ahab did that which was wicked in the sight of god there was none like his wickedness and who stirred him up it was a woman who did not have a meek and quiet spirit it was a wicked woman jezebel and then ahab for a moment put on sackcloth and fasted and god said i'm gonna make this evil that i have promised to the house of ahab happened in his son's days rather than in his days that doesn't mean nothing bad happened else in the days of ahab ahab was slain the dogs licked his blood we read that in first kings chapter 22 and then we can go on over to second kings just a few chapters later and we can find out where the promises were complete in the houses of the sons Uh, look at um, let's see let's go now to the proverbs that we have that we have been assigned near the bottom of and well if you have the book it's on page 110 if you're going through a download it's number five i asked us to read some proverbs there that Have to do with our material possessions. Why a faithful Christian might feel a countercultural fear of wealth. What are some of the dangers of becoming wealthy and List ten principles from these proverbs that might help us develop the right heart about material things those material things that belong to ourselves and others Well, I listed actually, as I read these verses, 15 general principles about wealth. And I went back and almost every single one of them would have been great lessons of prevention from serving wealth from greediness from the bad end to which ahab came we look at ahab's life and then we look at these principles about wealth and he just didn't get these principles and these are we let's just let's look at these my my first one is that work is what arms us against poverty and covetousness in god's economy And we get that from the Proverbs in verse in chapter 6 in chapter 10 in chapter 13 and from 1423 so work is what arms us against poverty and covetousness in God's economy in our last dig a bit we talked about how that the work ethic and thou shalt not steal are so intrinsically tied in Deuteronomy as God was foretelling that israel would get kings he said those kings will just not be with you on the battlefield they won't be out fighting your cause they won't be working for you but they will be piling up riches for themselves we see that that's exactly what happened in the case of ahab he was a wealthy king and he thought he had a right to everything around him without a uh, working he he wasn't a, a a field hand he was a king who sat in his palace and was able just to go to bed and pout because he didn't get everything he wanted oh that sounds like so many americans today work arms us against poverty and covetousness i'm going to just say these again proverbs 6:10 and 11 proverbs 10:4 and 5 proverbs 13:11 and proverbs 14:23 my second one was durable riches are better than gold. I'm talking about riches that take us around the throne of God in the place where the streets are made of gold. Those riches those riches are better than material blessings, better than gold. We learned that as we read in Luke 12 of the rich fool. He God said, you are Wealthy, you have all these barns and you have all these goods in these barns, but you are not rich toward God. So, tonight I'm going to require your soul of you, and then whose will those things be that you've stored in your barns? Durable riches are better than gold. Ahab did not have durable riches, he had gold. We read this proverb in 8 18 and 19, in 13, verse 7. And in 28 verse 6, if your riches won't take you across the Jordan and to the place where the faithful are received in the bosom of Abraham, they are not durable riches and they are not very important at all. The next thing that I wrote down is that material riches stop profiting at the time of death. I'm preparing this weekend to speak to ladies about how to bring our lost adult children back to God. And one of the things that I'm going to suggest to them is that in their wills, I mean, when the lawyer takes the envelope letter out of the envelope or the file or off the computer wherever that will is stored and he begins to read that will I'm encouraging those moms who leave this life and leave unfaithful children behind to write in their wills that here are my material possessions which mean nothing to me because I've passed over Jordan and they were not durable riches but the one piece of wealth that i have is my faith those other riches profit me nothing now and then of course the letter goes on to beg implore beseech unfaithful children to do the one thing that is durable so that mom can see those children again and enjoy eternity with them material riches stop profiting at the time of death the next thing that i picked up in this and that's eleven four, 4 but eleven sixteen, puts payers covetousness with violence covetousness and violence often accompany each other I'm telling you we have a king here who wanted a vineyard and then we have a an honored man in that society who is killed by stoning covetousness and violence often accompany each other eleven sixteen. 16 another principle from the Proverbs is that greediness or selfishness makes trouble at home Proverbs 15 verse 27 he who is greedy of gain troubles his own house oh at home you're gonna have problems if you are a selfish person so many people with whom my husband and i talk are having problems in their marriages because one or the other is seeking self he's living a life in which he is trying to satisfy his lusts of the flesh his he is spending money without telling his wife he is making decisions about material things to look good in the eyes of the community without conferring with his wife and this i mean there are Lots of serious sins that come as a result of greediness, but your home will not be a happy home if either partner is a selfish partner, and both were in the case of Ahab. He was a greedy person, and his home was not a happy home. We find a man looking at the wall and pouting at his wife. Number next, there is no peace in ill-gotten gain. That's 16, verse 8. It says there, better is a little with righteousness than great w- revenues to which you have no right. It's not going to make you happy. It's going to make conflict in your life when you get your possessions in a way that is not righteous. Ahab got a field. He wanted to go down there and be happy, but instead he went down there. And heard that the dogs were gonna lick his blood in the very field in which he was standing ill-gotten gain ill-gotten possessions do not bring peace and sometimes we find that out too late the next one I got from 1811 is that wealth is just a fake security it makes us conceited it is very much connected to pride But it's a very false security. The next one is, A good reputation is more valuable than wealth. And of course we find that in uh, the first verse of chapter 22. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. We also find it in 21.5. A good reputation is more valuable than wealth. And I think that uh, Ahab definitely well elijah tells him a couple of times you sold your soul in order to get this wealth so he did not have a good reputation the next one i got is god can use wicked people to provide for the needs of others we find that in 28 verse 8 of our proverbs and you you might have to do a little bit of thinking about how that we come to this conclusion but god can use wicked people To provide for the needs of other people and here in Ahab's story God did use the sins of Ahab and Jezebel to provide for the needs of other people and you say well how did he do that well we we go on over into the book of 2nd Kings and exactly what God said was going to happen to the house of Ahab happened. Um, there came a mes- messenger in verse eight of Second Kings chapter ten, and Ahab had. Let's go on back to verse one of Second Kings chapter ten. Ahab had seventy sons in Samaria, and Jehu. And I guess we don't have time to just really explain all who all of these characters are. But remember, God said, I'm going to make some really bad things happen during the time of your sons. And I'm going to wipe out the males in your household. So Ahab had 70 sons in chapter 10 of Second Kings verse 1 ahab had 70 sons that's a lot of sons to wipe out but jehu wrote letters to samaria to the rulers of jezreel to the elders and to those who brought up ahab's children saying as soon as this letter comes to you seeing your master's sons are with you and there are with you chariots and horses a fence city and armor look out the best and meetest, the most qualified of your master's sons to set on his father's throne and fight for your master's house oh but these men were afraid why were they afraid they were afraid because ahab ahab's household was a violent household and fight for your master's house but they were exceedingly afraid and said behold two kings stood not before him how then shall we stand so You know, two kings have died now in succession to Ahab. And he that was over the house and he that was over the city, the elders, the bringers up of the children sent to Jehu and said, We are your servants and we will do everything that you tell us to do. We will not make any king. You just do whatever is good in your eyes. We are happy to submit to you because we don't want to make a king of these descendants of Ahab. So he wrote a letter the second time and said, If you are mine and you will hearken to my voice, take the heads of the men your master's sons and come to me to Jezreel tomorrow by tomorrow at this time. And the king's sons were seventy, seventy people were with the great men of the city which brought them up. So Ahab didn't raise his own children or grandchildren. It came to pass when the letter came to them that they took the king's sons and they slew 70 people and they put their heads in baskets and they sent them to Jezreel and so there came a messenger and told him saying they have brought the heads of the king's sons and he said put them in two heaps at the entering in of the gate until the morning can you just see this the entering in of the gate of the city and there's two heaps of Heads that have been taken from decapitated. I mean, they've been taken from bodies. And those bloody heads are laying there at the gate. And those are the descendants of Ahab. And it came to pass in the morning that he went out and stood and said to all the people, you are righteous. Behold, I conspired against my master and I slew him. But who slew all these people? No, now, that there shall fall unto the earth nothing of the word of the Lord which the Lord spake concerning the house of Ahab. For the Lord has done that which he spoke by his servant Elijah. So Jehu slew all that remained of the house of Ahab in Jezreel and all his great men and his kinspeople, and his priests until there were none remaining. And then he rose up and departed and came to Samaria and he was at the shearing house in the way. And he met with the brethren of Ahaziah, king of Judah, and said, Who are you? And they answered, Well, we're Ahaziah's brethren, and we are going down to salute the children of the king and the children of the queen. And he said, Take them alive. And they took them alive and slew them at the pit of the shearing house, even two and forty men, neither left he any of them. I love the way that this... um, passage really begins it tells us that there is not one word of the Lord verse 10 there shall fall to the earth nothing of the word of the Lord which the Lord spoke concerning the house of Ahab now Cindy Colley how are you getting to the point that God can use wickedness to allow good people to advantage well i don't have time to really discuss it here but in the next chapter we have athaliah and her big massacre and then we have one little hidden ahaziah is is dead he's the son of athaliah athaliah wants the power so badly that she kills all of her grandchildren but then there is this one little boy joash who is saved and becomes the king and you remember joash then did good things in israel he repaired the temple he restored worship to god he was a a dynamite king who did a lot of undoing of what athaliah wicked athaliah who was slain had done now you know i guess i don't have a lot of time to connect ahab to joash but this part of the promise here is that that ahab's house is going down and part of that happens when athaliah who is the daughter of jezebel ends up taking Baal worship even into the kingdom of judah not just israel but judah and then she is so power hungry that she has all of the seed royal slain and and then joash the one little guy is hidden and he comes back and does great things for the kingdom of israel all of this providentially coming at the hand of god as a result at least partially as a result of the extreme wicked greediness of king ahab and the punishment that comes to generations later and god has said i'm going to destroy your house and in the process he puts in place a very good king joash god can use wicked need, wicked people to provide for the needs of others 28 8 riches and pride are often partners 28 11. we can definitely see riches and pride are partners in the pouting ahab as he lay there on the bed and wouldn't even talk he was prideful and he did not want anyone to tell him no about anything that he wanted and then finally um women this is in proverbs 31 proverbs 31 verse 11 women or wives can add to their husband's honor by being prudent with finances the proverbs 31 woman it says there and verse 11 says the heart of her husband safely trusts in her that he shall have no lack of gain she's a prudent woman she's she's protecting the assets of her husband in righteousness wives can do that we can be prudent and honor our husbands add to our husband's honor by being prudent with finances and we see jezebel was the complete opposite of that in fact she was imprudent she was wicked in her handling of finances she was willing even to commit murder in the acquisition of material goods and rather than bringing her husband honor, she obviously brought him to desolation. I just thought that it was very interesting to look at these proverbs that we were asked to read and see if they had applications in the life. I just kept thinking back about Ahab when I would read one. And just to look through these proverbs and see how they fit into the life of Ahab and how many of these principles of God were broken in the acquisition of ahab's vineyard vineyard and the events that were subsequent to that we could take the rich young ruler we could take ananias and sapphira we could take oh let's think about rachel who stole the her father's god we could think about um others who were greedy for wealth other kings who were greedy for wealth we could think even about solomon and his acquisition of great wealth if and and take these proverbs that we've read in number five of our lesson and say how do those proverbs play out practically in the lives of these characters most importantly though let's look inside ourselves we live in a very rich society let's look and see how we feel about those riches and what our attitudes are when we compare how important riches of this life are to durable riches Proverbs 8 verses 18 and 19, Proverbs 13, 7, Luke 12, 21. Are we rich toward God? Let's look inside ourselves and compare our the value that we place upon our houses and our lands and our cars and our vacations and our entertainment systems. How much value do we place on those when we really put those up beside durable riches? I mean seeking first the kingdom of God being rich toward god let's be sure that we apply the principles of these proverbs practically in our own lives i hope you're having a good day i hope this has been helpful to you sometimes i feel like i just go to the scriptures and i find things that make sense to me and probably when i try to explain them to you they may not even uh sound like i've had a cognitive uh, episode in my mind all day long but that's the way Bible study is, I think. Sometimes we take away things for ourselves when we get deeply into the Word of God. And then we emerge and try to explain them to someone else and who hasn't been studying through the same passages that we have. And their takeaways might not be exactly the same. But if you're in the Word, you are growing. So take these Proverbs and take a, a Bible character and try to apply where do they go wrong according to the wisdom of God from these Proverbs. And I think it will be a rich study for you. Have a great day.